report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Back to reality. Good Friday afternoon. Welcome to the broadcast. Yeah, today's the day we switch from T-shirts and shorts to sweaters and pants. A cold front moving west to east across the region today, bringing rain, wind, and much cooler temperatures for our weekend. Daytime highs were near 90 on Wednesday. They'll be closer to 50 by Sunday. The September jobs report is out, and it is a good one. Employers added 336,000 jobs last month. That's almost double what economists were expecting. Businessman John Waldman says restaurant workers were the big winners. For the first time, the government's reporting that the food and beverage sector is back above their February 2020 employment levels. Now think about that. It's been over three years, uh, and we just crossed the threshold. The over Overall, unemployment rate remained unchanged at 3.8%. The new jobless numbers will make it more likely the Federal Reserve will raise interest rates next month. Biden's border wall? The White House says it will fund construction of a 20-mile stretch of border wall in West Texas. Immigration expert John Sandwick says this is not a serious attempt, however, at securing the southern border. Operationally, this will have minimal impact. Less than 20 miles on a border of 2,000 miles, but it's not going to solve the problem, but I do think it reflects the growing need to try to dig deep to find anything to address what's going on. Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick says when it comes to the Biden administration's efforts at the border, it has always been too little too late. The only reason they're doing this is they know they're in deep trouble in 2024 on how they've mishandled the border and how it's impacting this country. Texas Congressman Tony Gonzalez. We are completely overwhelmed. We're done with the finger pointing and we just want solutions. In yet another stunning reversal, the Biden administration says it will resume deportations of Venezuelan refugees after announcing last month it would grant them temporary protected status. House Republicans huddle next week to try and settle on a new speaker after this week's sudden ouster of Kevin McCarthy. Former President Donald Trump says he'd be willing to fill in short term. Reporter Scott McFarland. I talked to one close ally of Steve Scalise who told me in a pretty muted phrase yeah I don't think that's going to be helpful. On his social media platform last night, Trump endorsed Ohio Republican and chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Jim Jordan, for the job. Media watchdog Joe Concha. This underscores something that is readily apparent already. Donald Trump is not only the clear GOP frontrunner, he is also the leader of this party. Because once he made that endorsement late last night, all of Jordan's competitors for the job of House Speaker got right behind him. Jim Jordan will be the next House Speaker, uh, barring a miracle. The vote is set for next Wednesday. An imprisoned Iranian is this year's winner of the Nobel Peace Prize. She was recognized for her fight against the oppression of women in Iran. Here's correspondent Vicki Barker. Nargis Mohammadi is currently where she has spent much of the past two decades in a Tehran prison. The Nobel Committee noting her brave struggle has come with tremendous personal cost. Urging the authorities to free her to accept her award in person. That's unlikely. Mohammed 
Khamenei has spent more than 30 years in prison in Iran and has been whipped more than 150 times for standing up to the Islamic regime. Some popular kids' candies are being recalled. Is that a slime liquor or the mini version? More than 70 million slime liquor sour and cocoa candy rolling candies that dispense flavored liquid from a tube are being pulled from store shelves after a seven-year-old New York girl choked to death. The Consumer Product Safety Commission says a ball that you roll on your tongue to get flavor can dislodge and get stuck in the throat. The CPSC advises parents to keep the candies away from children and get in touch with the manufacturer for a refund. Correspondent Deborah Rodriguez, a new study today in the journal Pediatrics finds a sharp rise in the number of firearms deaths among children. That's not the only danger that's growing. Firearm fatalities have gone up 87% in the last decade. Drug poisoning fatalities have gone up about 133%. Dr. Becky Mannix says the death rate for kids in car accidents fell by almost 50% during that same time period. Murder charges have been filed against three people at a Bronx daycare where a one-year-old died last month from fentanyl poisoning. These babies were used as shields to protect a narcotics operation. Prosecutors say the suspects who each face life in prison dealt drugs out of that daycare, the fentanyl being stored near where the children took their naps. A Virginia College female swim team has successfully blocked a biological male from joining their ranks. The girls at Roanoke College protested the transgender athlete from competing with them. Look at the courage that these young women displayed standing up to this active agenda to essentially commit the most horrible act of hatred towards women, which is to tell us that we don't exist. Former Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard. It does not take a genius to recognize there's a clear biological difference that begins to develop at a very young age. So I, I really hope that this trend continues to allow these women and girls a fair playing field. The trans swimmer withdrew from the team after protests from the three co-captains. Next week, the nation's second largest school district will try to force LGBTQ plus doctrine on children. Elementary schools in Los Angeles being encouraged to celebrate National Coming Out Day. This parent is having none of it. These are children ages from 4 to 11 years old. These children are not yet ready to talk about subjects as this. Recent studies showed that 30% of California children are passing grade level tests, which means 70% of California children are failing school. Next week, schools in L.A. will be encouraging teachers to talk about the contributions of historical figures from the LGBTQ plus community. He was one of the fiercest players to ever put on a football jersey. Dick Butchers played football with a religious fervor. The monster of the midway for sure in more ways than one. Hall of Fame Chicago Bears middle linebacker Dick Buckus dead at 80. Buckus's beat is from sideline to sideline and he's a tireless tenacious roamer. The Chicago native one of the most intimidating players in NFL history. Retired at 31 and later acted in movies, TV shows and commercials. His family he says he died in his sleep at his home in Malibu, California. Correspondent Jim Crisula. Still to come on the Noon Report. Why are libraries so liberal? Nurses threaten to strike again. And fall colors about to reach their peak. Good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams. We're going to segue from summer to autumn this weekend in some very 
obvious and uh, stark ways. I'll have the forecast details up in 10. All right, Kevin, we'll see you then. In the meantime, let's check out what's happening where you live all across New York and Pennsylvania. Progress made, but still no deal. That is the latest word on the ongoing United Auto Workers strike. This protester explains why he is on the picket line. We're fighting for the next generation either way. So, we're, you know, it's not about do we have a choice? We don't have a choice, you know. We're out here for the long haul, whether we like it or not. Nearly 50 workers have been laid off at the GM plant in Lockport, New York, because of this job action. The president of the UAW will make an announcement at 2 o'clock this afternoon on the status of the ongoing strike. Nurses at Rochester General Hospital may be going on strike again. A vote to authorize the work stoppage scheduled for next week. This union rep says of the nurses. They are burnt out. And because staffing levels are so bad, Frequently, our frontline healthcare workers can't get days off to recover. The nurses claim hospital officials are simply not listening to their concerns about staffing levels. These same nurses walked off the job for a few days in August. A 17-year-old Montoursville, Pennsylvania high school senior suffered a serious head injury this week when he fell 30 feet from a trail in rural Lycoming County. That student was on a field trip taking pictures when he slipped on a rock. There's a big election November 7th for an open seat on the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. Here's Family Life's Greg Gillespie. Democrat-aligned justices hold a 4-2 majority on the high court, but the campaign for seat number 7 is drawing millions of dollars from various political groups. Planned Parenthood is lobbying against Republican Carolyn Carluccio, even though she has told interviewers that she will fairly and impartially interpret state law, which currently permits many abortions. Two pro-life groups are promoting her election. With the vote only one month away, total spending has already topped $4.5 million and will go higher. Greg Gillespie, Family Life News. Thank you, Greg. It'll be one of the most closely watched campaigns in next year's election, the Pennsylvania U.S. Senate race between Democrat incumbent Bob Casey and presumably Pittsburgh hedge fund manager Dave McCormick. Casey has more than $7 million in his campaign war chest as he gets set to take on the upset-minded McCormick. The latest poll from Quinnipiac has Casey up about six points. Ever wonder why public libraries are so liberal? Well, we did and spoke about it to Christian librarian Jordan Fegley. Here's some of our conversation. Libraries today are some of the most progressive places in the world, and that reflects the world that we live in. There are a lot of other factors that influence the agenda of libraries. First, library schools are some of the most liberal and progressive educational programs. Secondly, funding is a great influence for library culture. Libraries are typically public institutions, which means they often receive at least some of their funding through taxes. Another source of funding often comes from wealthy donors who are typically progressive. The other source of funding comes from foundations, and foundations often require that their funds will only go to parties that subscribe to their progressively liberal ideology. Unless Christians are able to change the system from within, I only see things getting worse and libraries becoming more and more progressive. Which I guess leads us to the million-dollar question, do we boycott them now? Do we try to change the system for as long as we can? 
can. My prayer is we need more Christians involved in the system from the top down. I think we need Christian library directors to push back against the agenda. We need Christians to serve on library boards. We need Christians to run for public office. We need Christians who have greater financial resources to donate funds to libraries and then to use their influence to help shape the culture of the library, to promote biblical principles. We need Christians to place requests for Christian books. That is Christian librarian Jordan Fegley speaking to Family Life's Abigail Hofflin. For the first time since the murder of Rochester police officer Tony Mazurkiewicz, we're hearing from the surviving cop in the trial of accused cop killer Calvin Vickers. Casey Bortnick with Spectrum News. Sino Sang testified that he and Officer Mazurkiewicz feared their cover may have been blown on July 21st of 2022. He told the jury, quote, we started hearing a bang. We realized there was penetration through our car. Sang said he got out of the car and returned fire. Sang was shot in the leg. He also testified, quote, I did not see the shooter. Sino Sang told the jury that a nonstop barrage of bullets was fired at him and his partner during that undercover narcotics operation. Legislation in the works in New York would prohibit the slaughter of horses for human consumption. Currently, it's only illegal to slaughter racehorses in the Empire State. This bill would save all other breeds. Animal rights activist Nancy Perry says, unfortunately, there is a black market for horse meat. They literally go through a terrible process that involves a great deal of fear and suffering for those animals. And then they're killed in a manner that's really inconsistent with humane values. Perry says often horses wind up in the hands of kill buyers who make money from slaughterhouses in other countries. And this weekend's cold snap expected to kickstart the fall foliage in Pennsylvania. It's shaping up to be very, very nice. Um, we had enough summer rainfall to really green the canopies of the trees all across Penn's woods. So I expect a progression of color to, of course, uh, work its way from north to south like it traditionally does. Ryan Reed is with the Pennsylvania Department of Forestry. Right now, we have near-peak conditions across a lot of the northern tier, which may be surprising to some people. And approaching best color across a significant swath of the middle Appalachians and even onto the Laurel Summit. McKean, Potter, Tioga, Bradford, Wayne, and Susquehanna counties have all reached their peak colors this fall. Sports next, Friday edition on the Family Life Noon Report. Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Bob DJ Moore put together a career night last night to help the Bears over the Commanders 40-20. to Moore caught eight passes for 230 yards and three touchdowns to help Chicago win their first game of the season. Justin Fields also threw for a fourth touchdown for Chicago. And since we are talking about the Bears, one of their legends has passed away. Hall of Famer Dick Buckus has died at the age of 80. Nobody intimidated his opponents like Butkus did. He more or less defined what a middle linebacker was meant to be in the National Football League. Well, let's talk basketball for a minute. The reigning MVP, 76ers big man Joel Embiid, said James Harden's holdout and demands for a trade have not been a distraction as the team is focused on getting the offense and defense together under new head coach Nick Nurse. Harden is in camp now and practicing with Philadelphia. 
to NASCAR. The round of 12 will wrap up at the Charlotte Motor Speedway on Sunday. Current standings have William Byron leading, followed by Ryan Blaney, Denny Hamlin, Christopher Bell, and Chris Boucher. Four of the 12 remaining drivers will be eliminated after Sunday's race. And Major League Baseball's postseason gets back in action starting tomorrow. The Orioles will host Texas. The Astros welcome Minnesota in the American League. And in the National League, the Phillies are in Atlanta to take on the Braves. The Dodgers will host the D-backs. I'll tell you, that Braves-Phillies series, I think that's going to be one to watch. That is a look at sports. All right, Randy, man, have yourself a wonderful weekend. Still to come on the Noon Report, March for Life in Pennsylvania. Work for migrants in New York and wet and cool, our weather watchwords this weekend. Kevin Williams after this. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Far from being an otherworldly religion, Christianity teaches both the importance and the goodness of life in this world. In fact, from Jesus' healing ministry to the work of modern missionary doctors, a consistent feature of the work of the church in the world has been to care for the sick and the needy, and not just point them to the life to come. The early church understood Jesus' ministry to be a paradigm for their own work. So, just as Jesus set believers free from their bondage to sin, early Christians purchased slaves specifically to set them free. Whereas Jesus used miraculous power to heal people from the physical effects of the fall, Christians used more ordinary tools to care for the sick and the disabled. These activities are not merely good deeds in and of themselves, but they serve to advance the kingdom of God. In other words, though the gospel is a message and must be proclaimed, the early church saw that works of mercy and preaching the gospel were two sides of the same coin. The first major epidemic that was faced by the church was the Antonine Plague from AD 166 to 189. In fear for their lives, the Romans threw the sick out of their homes to die in the streets. Galen, the most prominent physician of the age, knew that he could neither heal its victims nor protect himself. So he just fled Rome and stayed at his country estate. While recognizing that all persons were made in the image of God and that Jesus had come to make all things new, body and soul, many Christians ran the other direction. They fought the fall by tending to the sick, at risk and often at the cost of their own lives. And since even basic nursing care can make a significant difference during an epidemic, Christian action saved lives. Their courage and self-sacrifice contributed to the rapid growth of Christianity. For example, when Irenaeus arrived in Lyon from Asia Minor, there were very few Christians, but by the time the plague ended, there were 200,000 believers there. The plague of Cyprian, which took place the following century, was named after the Bishop of Carthage who documented the epidemic. Dionysius of Alexandria, also a bishop, described what happened this way, quote, At the first onset of the disease, they pushed the sufferers away and fled from their dearest, throwing them into the roads before they were dead and treating unburied corpses as dirt. But, he continued, most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves, thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. See, from the earliest centuries, Christians embraced the medical theories and practices of the day. Contrary to stereotypes, the early church did not attribute illness to demons, though they did recognize demonization as a very real phenomenon. In fact, the real difference between Christians and the physicians of that day was the willingness to risk their own death in order to treat the sick, convinced that if they died, it would only mean a transition to a better life. The physicians, on the other hand, just fled. 
Christians also founded the first hospitals in history. By the late 4th century, there were hospitals in both the eastern and western halves of the empire. By the central Middle Ages, hospitals and leprosaria, in other words, leprosy hospitals, could be found throughout most of the Christian world. When universities began granting medical degrees during the period, church-affiliated institutions continued to provide much of the care. By the 18th century, the medical field had become increasingly professionalized and separated from the clergy. Though monasteries still provided care for the poor and nursing was almost entirely in the hands of sisters and nuns, professional physicians increasingly handled medical issues for those who could afford to pay. So clergy attended to the dying and contributed to discussions of medical ethics, but had few other responsibilities for the sick. However, medicine continued to be an integral part of the modern mission movement that continued into the 19th century. Because Christianity has always affirmed the importance of the body, hospitals soon followed wherever the missionaries went. All of this is just another way that the church has been essential throughout human history. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Thank you, John. Let's take it outside next. Kevin Williams. Here is your family life weather forecast. Our call for this afternoon is mainly cloudy skies. We'll have showers and rumbles of thunder. There'll also be some sun, sunny breaks across areas near Lake Erie. Temperatures will be holding nearly steady or even falling a bit from current values. Now, there'll be a soaking rain tonight into tomorrow along the I-81 corridor in central New York and northeast Pennsylvania. Elsewhere, though, just a couple of scattered showers. Low tonight, 50s. The high tomorrow, 50s and low 60s and blustery, chilly Sunday. Lake effect rain showers and intervals of sun. High temperatures Sunday, mid-40s to the mid-50s. All right, Kevin, thank you very much. It is Friday, folks, the 6th of October, and you're plugged into the Noon Report on Family Life. Another edition of Capital Connection. Fridays during the Noon Report, we give you direct connection to what's happening in Albany and Harrisburg with the experts on the issues at the state capitals. They are, as always, Jason McGuire at New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms and Michael Gear at the Pennsylvania Family Institute. Well, Jason, I want to start with you again, talk about the migrant crisis in New York. Governor Hochul had a big press conference this week where she advertised 18,000 new jobs at 400 companies for these people coming in on a daily basis. I want to ask you, does this only serve as a migrant magnet? And will it worsen the crisis? Or is this a good first step to solving this crisis? Well, I really have two minds in this, Bob. On one hand, we do want people working rather than just uh, living off of the government benefits. And because I see no indication that the Biden administration is going to secure the border, we have to have people working. But on the other hand, I think you are right. It's going to incentivize the behavior, and the problem is just going to get worse. We've got to secure that border, but short of that, I don't really know what else state and local officials can do to get people working. How about uh, Mayor Adams heading south of the border to tell people, don't come, it's not what you think it is. Uh, you support that kind of an effort. Well, I think the mayor is in a tough spot. He's trying to do everything he can do to, uh, to beat this back at this point. I mean, we now have Governor Kathy Hochul. We now have uh, New York City Mayor Adams, another Democrat. Both are indicating their you know, strong concerns over what's happening, and, and they see the problem. Uh, it's just ironic that we now see it in the sanctuary city of New York City and the state of New York when we have ignored so long what has been going on along the border with Texas and other border states. Yeah. Uh, Michael, you've got a big month ahead of you. Next Monday, hard to believe it's already here, but next Monday, not this Monday, the following Monday, October 
16th is the third annual March for Life in Harrisburg. Traditionally, it's one of the busiest events at the State Capitol Complex. How many people are you expecting to attend that event? And what are some of the issues you hope to raise at the rally? Well, first, if the two Pennsylvania Marches for Life in 2021, the first one in last year, any indication, I think we'll have thousands of folks filling the Capitol steps for what will be a wonderful, life-affirming, God-glorifying event. Mm. We know that dozens of buses are coming from virtually every corner of the state for the 11 a.m. rally and the noontime march around the Capitol. And of course, uh, among the issues that we'll be talking about, obviously, just the precious value of every innocent human life. We believe in protection of life from conception till natural death. We'll be talking about the attack on pregnancy resource centers that has been launched by the Shapiro administration and members of the legislature, Democrat members of the legislature, have specifically targeted those life-affirming ministries, the pregnancy resource centers that so many of your listeners support in New York and in Pennsylvania. Yeah, um, let me ask you a real quick follow-up, and we'll talk more about Dave McCormick later, but uh, he took some flack from conservative pro-lifers for changing the wording on his website about being unambiguously pro-life. The messaging by the pro-life movement, has that got to change to win elections, in your opinion? Well, uh, part of it is, uh, I don't know whether the messaging has to change. I guess part of it is is having candidates who understand how to message effectively on it. It's, uh, number one, pointing out how radical and extreme the pro-abortion candidates are on that issue. Yeah. Uh, hunting season is here, Jason. It is a big deal in New York and Pennsylvania. We've been hammering on this issue for a long time. The gun owners are having some trouble getting the background checks for the ammo purchases. This is for the actual bullets they put in the guns. The gun's not really much good if you can't get the bullets for it. What is going on here? Explain that, if you would, and also hear that the Supreme Court may be wading into these waters when it comes to New York's gun control laws. Yeah, well, as expected, when the uh, state took over uh, the clearance for those NICS checks for even the purchase of a box of shotgun shells, uh, it was not going to go off without a hitch. There were going to be problems, and sure enough, what the state touches, the state tends to ruin. And so once again, the state has gotten this position where now when the hunter comes and seeks to make an ammunition purchase, that is delayed or denied. Hmm. Now, originally, the Second Amendment groups had appealed to Justice Sotomayor to see if this case could be heard at the Supreme Court. Uh, she rejected that, but in the rarely used move, there was a second plea that went to Justice Clarence Thomas, who said, yes, uh, they will hear this uh, matter, and so this will be heard, hopefully will be settled very quickly by the Supreme Court, and Second Amendment rights will be restored once again in the state of New York. Gotcha. And Michael O'Reilly Gaines is a name that we've been familiar with in the past several months. Her efforts at protecting women's sports, she's going to be the keynote speaker at your upcoming Friends of the Family Banquet. That's November 6th. That's a Monday this year in Hershey. Those who aren't familiar with her story, just explain who she is and why it's so important that this message get out in Pennsylvania. Yes, O'Reilly Gaines uh, was an All-American Championship swimmer from the University of Kentucky with uh, plans to go to dental school, but uh, when she tied in a race, a championship race against male swimmer Leah, formerly William Thomas, who identifies as a woman and swam for the University of Pennsylvania women's team, well, the NCAA officials decided to give the trophy to Thomas, which I think, honestly, is a metaphor for what the so-called transgender movement says to women, that you are always second place at best. 
Uh, that's what we're seeing in sports. That's what we're seeing with privacy and all of those things. So Riley is not going to dental school now. She is outspoken. She's a Christian talking about how we need to impact culture, stand up for what is true, and not to accept the lies of the culture. There's more information on your website at the end. Uh, we'll give that, Michael. Uh, you know, Jason, I've been wondering, you know, with parental rights coming under fire, schools, so much of it is indoctrination, not what to think, but how to think. What counsel do you give parents, especially those with young children, who are really unsure in the year 2023, what's best for their kids? Do I keep them in public school? Do I transfer them to private school? Or do I homeschool? How do you counsel so many parents? Because I have conversations with parents every day who are struggling with that very question. Well, I think parents have to understand that the state education system now has a hostility toward their Christian faith. And that's where there has been a, really a, a change that has occurred. It's much more hostile today. For example, in the guidance that we talked about, the transgender guidance, the DEI guidance, the only position the school can take on a gender transition is to affirm it. Hmm. Well, that flies in the face of what the scripture teaches. Hmm. So I think parents have to realize that that's where they're coming from, is that the public education system is going to be at war with parents. Yeah. The second thing we have to understand is they have got to be talking to their students, converse with them. They are sending their students into these schools for six and eight hours a day. At night, they have got to be talking to these students and asking them what they have learned during the day, seeking to debrief and head off problems that may be occurring. Yeah. Michael, the, we had mentioned Dave McCormick earlier. On the, the, the GOP yeah. has unanimously endorsed this guy, this businessman from the Pittsburgh area for U.S. Senate. That's an uphill battle. Bob Casey's never lost a general election. What does McCormick have to do to make that right? If he is the nominee, it's not a done deal yet, but if he is, what does he have to do to make that a competitive race? Well, it's looking like a different race than we had in 2022 when Dave McCormick ran in the primary and ultimately lost in a squeaker to Dr. Oz. We famously remember that, and then that was a loss. Uh, Bob Casey uh, still, I think, even many, many years later, is still running off of his father's name. As a U.S. senator, he really took that office and wins these elections because of the famous name of Casey but he's sort of a hang-in-the-shadows kind of lawmaker. But what I think McCormick needs to point out is that, number one, Bob Casey, the senator, is not like his dad. Number two, that he has voted with Joe Biden 98.5% of the time. Hmm. And if the popularity ratings of the polling numbers for Joe Biden are what they are, that, I think, is something that McCormick can hang his hat on and campaign against Casey on. Well, hey, this was a big week for those who support marijuana expansion in New York. The licensing for the cannabis shops was opened up to those who don't have a pot conviction. Jason, talk a little bit about where this is going in New York State and what ultimately you think will be the result of this social experimentation. Well, the state is releasing another 1,500 licenses for various marijuana operations around the state of New York. And so we're going to see an expansion exponentially of what is occurring in marijuana around the state. You can't go into places now and not smell the weed in rental cars or restaurants or wherever. Um, it's only going to grow in years to come. And one of my biggest concerns is the message that it sends to young people. Already we are seeing that there is a desensitization to marijuana use and other drugs. And that loss of stigma surrounding drug use is going to be problematic for generations to come. Gotcha. We'll see where that one goes.
goes. But uh, hey, just like that, we are out of time, folks. So many issues, so little time. If you want to get registered, it's coming up fast. Friends of the Family Banquet or the March for Life, all that information is online on your site. Michael, where can folks learn more? PAFamily.org. Stay informed on all the issues in New York as well. Jason, uh, what is your website, sir? OpeningUpdate.com. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much. Capital Connection comes your way Fridays during the noon report or online anytime, familylife.org. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast on the midday weather map. We see signs of autumn in the form of a cold front that will be crossing the area, bringing with it showers and rumbles of thunder and ultimately much chillier air for the weekend. Our call for this afternoon is mainly cloudy skies. We'll have showers and rumbles of thunder. There'll also be some sun, sunny breaks across areas near Lake Erie. Temperatures will be holding nearly steady or even falling a bit from current values. Now, there'll be a soaking rain tonight into tomorrow along the I-81 corridor in central New York and northeast Pennsylvania. Elsewhere, though, just a couple of scattered showers. Low tonight, 50s. The high tomorrow, 50s and low 60s. And blustery, chilly Sunday. Lake effect rain showers and intervals of sun. High temperatures Sunday, mid-40s to the mid-50s. All right, Kevin, thank you very much. And finally, if there was ever a day to turn that frown upside down, today is it. Just smile. A commercial artist named Harvey Ball is responsible for creating the recognizable icon we know as the smiley face in 1963, and today is the day we celebrate that creation as its National Smile Day. The holiday has one simple mission, to smile at others and perform small acts of kindness worldwide. Harvey wanted to keep the smile connected to the human being, and by doing so, you'd smile and in return you'd make someone else smile and brighten up their day. And it really does take more muscles to frown, about 47 of them. As for smiling, we only use about 13 muscles. So today, give somebody a smile or compliment or do something nice. Whatever small way you can positively impact someone, you'd be surprised how much it can mean. Brian Query, Family Life News. Boy, so much can be accomplished through a simple smile, folks. Check it out. It may stick. That's the world we live in. Friday, October 6th. I'm Bob Price, Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report. Heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening. Thank you.